Welcome to the Pharmacy Future Leaders Podcast with your host, Tony Guerra. The Pharmacy Future Leaders is part of the Pharmacy Podcast Network, focusing on pharmacy student perspectives, interviews, and the future outlook of our pharmacy industry. This is Megan Burita, PharmD candidate from Purdue University College of Pharmacy, and you're listening to the Pharmacy Podcast. Welcome to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. I'm your co-host, Tony Guerra, for the Pharmacy Future Leaders Podcast, broadcasting from the Unity Point Des Moines Area Community College Public Service Building and DMAX Ankeny Campus. We're going to be talking again with innovative new pharmacy practitioners and soon-to-be pharmacy graduates. Connect with me on Twitter at Tony underscore PharmD or on YouTube where you can find over 800 pharmacy videos supporting my book, audiobook, Memorizing Pharmacology. Today we are talking to Megan Burita, who is a PharmD candidate from Purdue University College of Pharmacy. She has four years of work experience as a pharmacy technician at Vibrook Hospital of Northwestern Indiana and was a 2016 summer intern at the Johns Hopkins Hospital in the Critical Care and Surgery Pharmacy. Megan's completing her final year of clinical rotations, which includes a six-month longitudinal track at Northwestern Memorial Hospital in Chicago, a month at Purdue University College of Pharmacy Center for Medication Safety Advancement in Indianapolis, Indiana, and ending with two months at the Moy Teaching and Referral Hospital in Eldoret, Kenya. Welcome to the Pharmacy Podcast. Thanks so much for having me. Well, everyone's leadership road is a little different, and you have filled your leadership road. I am so excited to hear all about what you have to say. But tell us a little bit about what you're doing now and and how you got to where you are. Well, currently I am, uh, like you had mentioned, in my first month of six at Northwestern Memorial Hospital. And so I am officially into my last year of pharmacy school. It's been a it's been a few years and it's been a journey. Finally, um, finally. <laughs> <laughs> I see the light at the end of the tunnel. Um, but for as long as I can remember, I have never been able to just be a member of anything. Um, I've always wanted to make a difference in organizations and groups that I've just felt really passionate about. Um, and with Purdue when I came into college, um, it was set up as a two-year pre-pharmacy program and then the four-year doctoral program. And so from the start, because you have to go through this reapplication process of getting into the actual PharmD school, they really push just campus involvement and finding those leadership positions. Whereas when I came in, I uh, was a little nervous about that and thought, how in the world am I going to be able to get this leadership and um, involvement as a freshman on a campus of 40,000 people? And me being the overachiever that I am, probably got involved in too much that first year. Sure, sure. I see Um, you're a a part of the Pharmacy Student Council very early. Yes, I was. So I actually got elected by my fellow class of, I think we started off with right around 300 or 350 pre-pharmacy students um, my very first year, so my freshman year. Um, and I got elected along with actually one of my current friends now as the representatives of our class for the student council. And you went through the, the progression, the you know class representative to the activities chair to the vice president and president. Um, it, let's talk about somebody who's just coming to Purdue for the very first time. How would you recommend they get involved you said 350 people, but it sounds like you got everything that you possibly could want out of it. Um, how did how did you make those connections right away with such a large group? I think the biggest thing, and it's something that I've noticed pharmacy students kind of struggle with, is a lot of us tend to be introverts at heart. And I think the biggest thing that helped me kind of stand out and accomplish some of these goals that I've uh, been able to accomplish is that 
I had to break out of my shell. I had to talk to people that weren't in my direct friend group um, and really just make those connections. And don't be afraid to reach outside your normal comfort zone and kind of go outside of your bubble. Um, I still am amazed at how I was able to, as a freshman, do that. But you just can't, you have to try. You can't just say, oh, well, there's no way I'm going to do it, so I'm not going to do it. It's a lot of just putting yourself out there and taking advantage of the opportunities. And if they don't work out, I'm a firm believer of they weren't supposed to. And so you just have to kind of direct your attention and your efforts into something else that you might be just as passionate about, but you weren't looking at originally because you had this other goal in mind. So it's all about moving forward and moving upward, um, but just keep your options open. Well, tell me a little bit about how you balanced um, what is traditional uh, uh, Panhellenic life, which would be, I think you, you were a Theta. I, yes. was, I was SAE back in undergrad. And um, how, I, did, how did, I didn't, though I didn't have any pharmacy ties though while I was doing that, and I don't think I could have, but it <laughs> seems like you had the both worlds where you were in uh, this kind of traditional uh, fraternity, sorority life, which uh, back 20 years ago, it was very different. It was it was a little more Animal House-like, but now it's all about service. It's all about leadership opportunities. It's all about uh, doing well, um, study hours, all those things. Um, tell me a little bit about uh, being a pharmacy-minded, but being a regular sorority person. Yeah, definitely. It was uh, quite the balance, but for me, I... In high school, if you would have asked me if I would join a sorority, I would have laughed and said, you're trying to be a comedian. It just was not my personality. Um, but at Purdue, I had known some girls that had went through Rush, and they were engineers. They were in pharmacy. They were pursuing all of these, what most people would consider pretty difficult majors, and they're still enjoying that other side. And so I thought, you know what, I'll give it a shot um, and see if it's for me. And when I went through recruitment, I wanted to make sure that I was looking at houses and taking them seriously um, if they also valued what I valued. And so scholastic achievement, um, service back to the community and philanthropy um, and just an overall house that I could be myself in. And so I ended up finding that in Theta. And for me, there were older girls that were in pharmacy that have since been kind of mentors to me that whenever I had a question about a class um, or when I went through the application process, providing me with old interview questions and helping me go through mock interviews and um, any additional information they could give me that would just help prepare, propel me kind of forward in the pharmacy program, they were an amazing resource. And as a whole, just um, being in a sorority provided kind of an outlet. So when pharmacy school and even the pre-pharmacy years were just kind of tough, I could go home to the Theta House or just go out to dinner with my sisters or I had that outlet of people that weren't so pharmacy minded that I could get a break from it and also have people to vent to that weren't also going through that whole process. Um, so it was a really good mix for me. It helped me even go more outside of my own comfort zone and meet people that I would have never met because they weren't in my pharmacy classes. Um, I do love Purdue Pharmacy and we do become quite a family in it, um, but just having that balance really kept me sane through some of the... No, um, I understand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I took a job down in the Inner Harbor which had absolutely nothing to do with uh, pharmacy. I was waiting tables and talking to tourists and I just loved it. I was, uh, you know, at the harbor. Uh, Federal Hill was right there. So uh, I, I know about getting, uh, getting away uh, at the same time being, um, being involved. 
But then you would normally get a summer off, but you decided that that would not be the way you wanted to go. And you went to Crown Point, Indiana, right? To, yes. Um, so tell me a little bit about uh, how you got into these type of, um, are they internships? I'm not quite sure. Uh, can you explain what you do in summer, how you got in? Yeah. So, um, starting from high school into about my freshman year of freshman, sophomore year of college, um, I worked at a community pool as a lifeguard and then I was promoted to an assistant manager and it was one of those non-school related jobs that was just an awesome summer job to have. And ironically, when I was a freshman, so my first pre-pharmacy year, I was at my brother, my little brother, who's three years younger than me, one of his basketball games. And I'm talking to my mom about pre-pharmacy classes and what their expectations are to get into the pharmacy program. And the man in front of me turns around and goes, oh, are you studying pharmacy? And I kind of explain what year I was. And he goes, well, I'm a pharmacist. Um, would you like to shadow me? And now... About five years later, he's my boss of four years. <laughs> okay. So really kind of stumbled into that one. Um, I shadowed him that winter break. And then over the summer, again, there was this emphasis on get a job that's kind of pharmacy related. And I was still just kind of an assistant manager at the time at the pool. And so I asked if I could do what I called a long-term shadowing opportunity and where I would come in twice a week to the hospital, shadow the technician, shadow the pharmacist, just get a feel um, of what hospital pharmacy is about to see if this is some, if this is a career that I could see myself in, in general with pharmacy and specifically within hospital, uh, more clinical pharmacy. And so after a summer of me kind of volunteering, I ended up uh, getting offered a job to stay on as a technician. I was trained on site for about six months and then I was hired on as a full technician and I've been working there ever since. So um, the world is a much smaller place and pharmacy is a very small world than I think I ever realized. Oh, it is. And you know more pharmacists than you realize. <laughs> well, that's, it, it, it has its uh, pluses and minuses, I guess. But I guess I'm just kind of taken aback at how quickly and how early you were putting together significant projects. And I almost feel like if you were to go for a residency, you would say, well, just one project, really? It just, you know, that that just seems like we could get that banged out in, you know, maybe three months. Maybe we could do like three or four projects or something like that. But tell me, tell me how you integrate these projects that are on your CV, uh, how you kind of start getting involved in projects that are things that you can build your, I don't want to call it a resume, but your curriculum vitae with. And how did you get your first project or, or how do you, you know, just have this kind of repeat of, oh, well, you know what, this looks like a good project. How do you get involved like that? I think for me, I was, my first real project was really when I was a technician right around my first or second year in the job. And I was getting my normal technician work done. And it's a very small hospital, so it's about 40 beds. So we have one technician a day that does everything from making the IV bags, distributing the medications, um, any issues that occur during the day that the nurses need suddenly need something, that's on me. And then I order all the medications. So everything that normally about five, anywhere from three to five technicians do, it's all in one technician um, position job at my hospital. And so I was getting a lot of this work done. And um, I don't like saying that I was kind of sitting around, but there were moments that I kind of found myself twiddling my thumbs. And so I went to my boss and just said, hey, is there anything that I can kind of do for you to kind of help improve the pharmacy in any way? Um, but it was a lot of that just incentive or not even incentive, but um, just the want to kind of 
help out more than I already was. And not that I was getting paid any differently for it, but I like I value my time and I knew that I was still working and I wanted to try and benefit the hospital in whatever way I could. And so he uh, has always been really great at saying, oh, okay, yeah, I have this project or this project, whether they were ones that he came up with or that he was trying to get done himself. He gave me kind of the autonomy to take things and run with them. And so I was able to do a variety of projects. Um, I got to look at patient cost per day analysis um, and look at an expired medication inventory where I went through the entire hospital, the entire pharmacy, got all the expired medications and calculated kind of the cost per medication and got a summed up total and saw what we were kind of wasting our money on, on medications that we had on the formulary but weren't using as often as we probably should have that were then expiring and we were losing money on. And so that was a really fun one. I love working with numbers and I'm that very data driven. And so that was a, a not so enjoyable for other people, but I loved it. Um, so it was, it's been a variety of projects like that where it's just been, I've asked, how can I help in some way? What do you need me to do? I have some extra time. What can get done? Um, mentality that's really brought these opportunities to me. And somehow Johns Hopkins was watching and they called you or how did, <laughs> how did that work out? So I, I guess I just, uh, you, you went right from, okay, I'm doing some projects at my local hospital, 40-bed hospital, to now I'm going to spend the summer at the uh, you know, top-ranked teaching hospital or one of them. I'm sure Harvard would or you know, say something about that. But, but Johns Hopkins, I'm from Maryland. I know their quality. Uh, it's one of the best teaching hospitals or research hospitals in the country. How did you go from I'm P1 to P2 to Hopkins? That is a great question that some days I still question <laughs> myself. Um, so ironically enough, the I was a P2 and I was looking at what I was going to be doing that upcoming summer um, into my P3 year. And to me, I wasn't working at the pool anymore. I was just going to be a technician. I was guaranteed about 20 to 30 hours each week, um, whether it was coming in to actually do tech work or just coming in specifically for more projects for my boss. And I thought, you know what, that's going to sound like a great life. I get to live at home. There's no rent. There's free food. My parents would love it. I'm sure to have me as a roommate again. Um, and that was my mentality. And Purdue, one of the organizations that I was actually involved with, helps put on a career fair every year. And so I decided to go to the career fair just to kind of um, see what else was out there. But I really wasn't taking anything too seriously. And Mayo Clinic was actually there. And so I thought, oh, there's there's internships at hospitals. I didn't know that. I thought it was just your technician or that was really it. And so that later that night I was with one of my really good friends and he goes, are you applying to any of these? And I said, Oh, I don't know. He's like, well, the Hopkins one closes. I think it was about in a week and a half or two weeks at that point. And he said, are you going to apply for it? And I said, I don't know. Like it's an, it's a national, um, internship. I mean, the competition has to be fierce. There's no way I'll get it. He said, well, why, why don't you just try? I said, okay, well, you have a good point. Yeah. So it was really kind of him just saying, you are qualified. Why aren't you giving this a shot? In your mind, yeah, it might be a small chance, but there's still a chance. And so at, with uh, the end of that conversation, I started working on my application that night, got in my letters of recommendation, um, and I guess the rest is kind of history. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I know how hard it is. Uh, my understanding is that they have about 200 applications for about eight residency positions. So when you're talking about Hopkins, uh, the number of people applying is just way, way, uh, the quality is amazing. 
Uh, so um, you you get into Hopkins, but then you excel at Hopkins as well. Uh, what did you do while you were there? So something that no one really told myself or any of the inter- other interns before we got there was that Hopkins was going through um, an entire EHR remodel into Epic. So we got. I wouldn't this- have told you. I, I definitely <laughs> wouldn't have told you. <laughs> I know. I think they purposely kept it a secret from us. Um, so my first day was, I believe, May thirteenth, and Epic Go Live Day was July first. And so a majority of all of our intern projects actually revolved around Epic. And so myself, as well as my co-intern um, in the critical care and surgery pharmacy, were given the job of. How can we make our specific pharmacy as prepared as possible for this transition? And so we were kind of given the idea of doing something with the technicians and some form of technician education. And so we created this technician um, training program that basically involved what we felt were the six most critical functions of Epic that a technician would need to know how to utilize properly um, to be successful with this whole transition. And so we kind of worked with um, the techni- or the epic kind of practice uh, mode on the computers, came up with examples of things that were new compared to the old system um, or just kind of slightly changed just so things that technicians really needed to be able to distinguish when go live day happened. And so we worked on training. I think we reached about 80% of the technicians that work in the critical care and surgery pharmacy, trained each one individually um, and measured their uh, confidence and competency um, prior to the training as well as after. And then we also worked with them on go live day and for Um, about three or four weeks before I I headed back um, with them regarding Epic and seeing how effective our training actually was. And so we were able to kind of do some research and saw that our education really benefited them. They felt more confident. They handled Epic Go Live Day really just extremely well. And it was really rewarding for me because being a technician, once you get into kind of your set way of doing things, you're very resistant to change. I know I am, and I know there's there has to be a few other people that are out there like that. So being able to kind of know what, have an understanding of what they might be feeling and going through as this transition was happening, helped me kind of relate to them a little bit better. And hopefully, um, I would like to think that the transition went a little bit more smoothly because of um, our training program. Well, tell me a little bit about um, I train technicians, uh, the ones that are coming in, getting their license for the or their uh, license for the first time. But tell me how it was when you're talking to technicians as a technician. So you're you're although you're a pharmacy student, you're really a tech as well, and it's tech to tech. It's not pharmacist to tech. Tell me how that relationship worked and and how you worked with people. So you're coming in for the summer. You're from Indiana, and <laughs> you're telling technicians that have been there for decades. This is how we're going to do things on July 1st when the new doctors come, you know. So how did how did that relationship or how did you build that relationship? I think for me, I am a full believer in being honest and open up front. I don't try to hide my intentions or anything like that. And I think having been a technician myself, um, going to Hopkins and then even at work, kind of have any idea of what a typical day looks like for them, what other stressors or things that um, are going on that they have to worry about uh, while they're at work, but also getting to know them as people. I think the most important thing that we were able to do before 
we went through the training process and we were kind of making this behind the scenes as we got to work with the technicians. It was at least once or twice a week where we were paired up with a certain technician and kind of learned their workflow, got to know them as people and what they do outside of work um, and who they really are. And I think that established a level of just trust in myself as well as my co-intern when we were trying to teach them this new system of we know this is going to be rough but we're going to be with you throughout this entire journey for at least as long as the summer will last and make sure that everything that we can do to make sure that you're as prepared as possible for it we promise that we're going to do and I think it's taking that time you can't just kind of tell someone okay this is going to happen good luck here you go and send them off it's very much developing those relationships and developing that trust and giving them belief in you as a mentor and as a teacher and educator that you're going to do everything you can to see them succeed. And now here you are, Purdue Pharmacy student that goes again from 40-bed hospital to Hopkins, and then you're not slowing down. Now you're going to start at North, or now you're at Northwestern. So we're just taking a tour of the top colleges in the country uh, that you just tend to stop by. So tell me a little bit about Northwestern and how you get that kind of uh, rotation in Chicago. There are, what, five or six pharmacy schools in Chicago. How does someone from Purdue get Northwestern? Yeah, so we are very lucky. The way that Purdue um, does a lot of its uh, APBE or that fourth year um, clinical rotation schedule, um, we now offer what they call tracks. And so they are extended stays per se in hospital industry and ambulatory care um, rotation sites. So for us, we have quite a few in Indianapolis that we compete with Butler students for um, in terms of some of the teaching hospitals that are more downtown where we have professors come up and faculty. But we also are lucky enough to have a track at Northwestern where they take six students from Purdue specifically um, to kind of make their rounds. And I know that, yeah, I think there's about nine colleges of pharmacy right now in the state of Illinois. So to even be able to cross the state line and come up here, I am extremely gracious for. But there's a, uh, an application process that we go through that um, kind of the head of our track program, who is um, a clinical pharmacist at Northwestern, he gets all the applications, we send a letter of intent, um, our CV, uh, I believe that was those are the two main things, and uh, he looks over them and kind of decides who his top candidates are, and then those lucky six um, get to experience six months at Northwestern in downtown Chicago, so I'm very, very grateful to, be have chosen, to have been chosen to be one of those six, and I've already had an amazing, just about a three or three full weeks of, as of today um, so far. And you won't have to relearn EHR and that's kind of part of the, the track and, and that you know that those kind of things don't get in the way. It's not okay now I've got to learn this system before I can even get up and running. What I'm most interested though is in the administration block that you have uh, coming up in August. Uh, we have an APPE rotation here at DMAC, which is academic administration. But um, what do you see in your future? You Everything you do is a leadership position. Um, do you see yourself as an administrator in hospital? Do you see yourself um, in public health? How do you see yourself um, leading in the future as a full-time position? That's actually been uh, it's a really great question. It's something that I've been putting a lot of thought into. Um, for a time, I was kind of toying with looking at doing one of the combined PGY-1, PGY-2 administrative rotation or uh, residency programs. 
where you will end up getting a possible second degree, like an MBA or an MPH along with it. And so I kind of toyed with that after really enjoying some of my more administrative focused projects at my hospital um, and meeting some of the people that were more in administration and not so much rounding on the floors and really liking how they were still able to impact healthcare in a hospital. And so I'm really interested to see how that rotation goes, um, just kind of seeing their impact and if I could see myself in something like that. But I think for me, I know I will be able to find a leadership role in whatever career field I end up um, going into, whether it is truly more of a clinical pharmacist position um, or if I go straight into administration or whatever it might be. Um, I kind of like what I mentioned before, I have a hard time just being a member for me, just being an employee, Um, whether it's additional Um, groups on the side or attending extra meetings or whatever it is, I know I'll be able to find opportunities that I'll have uh, the chance to voice my opinion and try to impact and make a positive impact, I should say, um, on whatever it might be. So I'm not quite sure on what exactly that role will look like quite yet, but I've learned that as long as there's an opportunity that I'm interested in, as long as I take advantage of it and I'll find something to learn from it and hopefully enjoy it along the way. Well, the, the last guest I had on is going to Switzerland for the WHO meeting, um, and then we had the University of Colorado who sends their students to Ireland. Purdue apparently has a relationship with Kenya. Can you tell me a little bit about this, how you chose this country or what it was about it that uh, made you excited about this uh, Purdue-Kenya partnership? Yeah, so Purdue has more rotations. I'm a very indecisive person at heart, and Purdue, looking at the rotations that they offer us to rank our last year, is extremely overwhelming. I think there's over 3,000 sites. And was they there don't, an Excel spreadsheet involved here? Was someone, cre- Yes, yeah, someone did create an Excel spreadsheet, and that was the most overwhelming thing I've seen in quite some time. <laughs> okay. Um, but we have opportunities in, in Indiana, um, in other states across the U.S., in Alaska, um, in London, we have, I think, three or possibly four rotations, and then also in Eldoret, Kenya. And so what I will be doing when I go there next March and April of 2018, right before I graduate, I'll be working in the Moy Teaching and Referral Hospital. And so we have this amazing partnership set up there through um, Ampath, which was really kind of established um, also in a majority with uh, Indiana University, as well as a handful of other Um, colleges from the U.S. And I think the reason I chose to go to Kenya, and a lot of people assume, oh, you're going to Africa because you're going to go on safari the whole time. It'll be a vacation. Um, And that's just, that's not the reasoning that most of people go there. I mean, to commit your life for eight weeks to go to a country you've never been and be kind of the minority for a first time for a lot of us in our lives, it's really the ability to impact patient care on a level that just is unimaginable to accomplish in the US. I mean, we're working with patients that are dropped off by their families because they think they're too sick that they're gonna pass away and they just leave them at the hospital. And we have been able to care for them. I think a program has been established for about 15 years or so. And we're able to care for these patients and send them home healthy. I mean, we can make such an impact there. And we're working with a patient population that just isn't seen in the U.S. We're working with a lot of AIDS and HIV patients, patients that can't really afford any health care at all. And 
the way that it's set up there is kind of interesting. Patients cannot leave the hospital until they pay their bill. And so the community comes together to kind of raise money to even get someone out of the hospital. And so it's just this completely new environment that I would be immersed in. And another thing is just their lack of resources. What we consider a first line treatment in America is not even available in uh, Eldoret. And so it's becoming familiar with what, okay, what are third and fourth line, maybe even fifth line treatments that are available there that we can still use for these conditions. So it's definitely gonna force me to clinically think outside of my box of what have we been taught in school? What have I seen at Northwestern? What have I seen here and there? And really push me to become what I believe is a really well-rounded pharmacist. So I'm more than excited for that opportunity. And are you? What are you thinking about for afterwards? Are you thinking residency or fellowship? I'm, or maybe it's just too soon. I mean, you're just in your your first APPE. Or um, do you have uh, plans to go to mid year? Um, that that is the question uh, of the century for me lately. I think. I was very set on residency for so long, and I think in the end that's probably the route that I'm still going to go, but I've definitely taken advantage recently of just learning about other opportunities that are out there, whether it's uh, in a more ambulatory care setting or if it's an industry, just learning about those other areas of pharmacy, even if I don't go into them, I think it's so valuable to know what other pharmacists are doing out there in the world to impact patient care. And so my plans as of now will be to attend mid-year in December. I actually um, ironically booked my tickets just a few days ago. Okay, okay. <laughs> I found a really great deal in Southwest and I'm always looking for a bargain when it comes to flights, but I will be attending in December and looking at probably um, a one-year PGY-1 residency. Where that might be is a great question. Um, I'm not really limited geographically and so um, I'm just going to look for the best program uh, for me personally um, and for and professionally. So the options are pretty endless right now, but I hope that my rotations over the next few months will kind of help me hone in on what I truly want to do. Okay. Uh, I know people would want to contact you. Uh, what would be the best way for them to get in touch with you? Yeah. So um, I have a Facebook page, as most people do. So it's just facebook.com uh, slash M-B-E-R-E-D-A, which is my last name. And then also, I guess, a Gmail is M-D-B-E-R-E-D-A, so mdburita at gmail.com. Um, and I guess if anyone's really interested, I upkept a blog when I was at Hopkins, and I've continued it through rotations. Cool. And it's just medicine with Megan it's a WordPress so it's free which works on a college student budget yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's been able to allow me to kind of track what I've been doing what I've thought what I've um, the impact that I've had and just my experiences so if anyone's really interested they're more than welcome to uh, read up on that okay we'll give let's get a couple quick hit questions here some of the best advice you can give uh, our listeners what's your best daily ritual to keep your work on track my best daily ritual I am very much a type A person and so I have my planner comes with me everywhere I go and within it are built-in to-do lists which I love checking off anything even if it wasn't originally on there I will write it in and then check it off just so I know that I did it um, so I've been there I've been there <laughs> <laughs> so just kind of keeping track of each day and I look at it each morning before my day kind of starts just to have an idea of what to expect for the day what to look forward to in the week or anything that I need to kind of keep in the back of my mind okay and uh, what's the best career advice you've either received or given? 
The best career advice I probably have gotten, and it sounds so silly because it's very simple, um, was recently, it was from one of my mentors, Dr. Abel, who's a faculty member at Purdue, um, was that do what makes you happy. And it sounds so simple because it should be so intuitive. But for me, I think with all the opportunities I've had, I am a people pleaser at heart. And I think I've put this pressure on myself that I have to do the next best thing because it's what is expected of me rather than it's what is going to make me ultimately happy in the end. And so again, it was such simple advice, but just focus on what you want and what makes you happy and everything else will really just fall into place. And then what inspires you? I think knowing that I can wake up each morning and have the power to make a difference is what inspires me. Whether it's a big difference or a small difference, I still have that power. Now um, I'm currently in an anticoagulation clinic, so I'm talking to patients on a daily basis. And at first I was really nervous for this rotation and not really sure how I felt about this constant patient interaction. But this is just a different way that I never really imagined myself kind of working with patients. And I talk to them and I educate them and they go home either knowing not to take another medication with their Coumadin um, because it could lead to a bad interaction. They come, they leave my conversation with them knowing something more that will only help them rather than hurt them. And knowing that it might be something small that I said, oh, don't do this or do this or whatever it might be um, during our interaction, but I was still able to help a patient in some way. And so I would definitely say just knowing that I can wake up and whether it's big or small, make an impact and a difference in some way is what inspires me. Well, Megan, thanks so much for being on the Pharmacy Podcast. I know that you're busy, uh, but I appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. If you're interested in being on the Pharmacy Future Leaders, uh, email me at aagaradmac.edu or get in touch with me on Facebook or Twitter. Uh, otherwise, we thank you so much for listening. Thanks for listening to the Pharmacy Future Leaders Podcast with your host, Tony Guerra. Be sure to share the show with the hashtag Pharmacy Future Leaders. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.